What is post-traumatic stress disorder? How is it diagnosed? And how is it treated? My guest today is Chaplain Stephen Kokana, the Assistant Director of Ministry to the Armed Forces for the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate. His military service has taken him to Southwest Asia, Cuba, Bosnia, Germany, Denmark, and Alaska, as well as stateside assignments. He participated in Desert Shield and Desert Storm and has provided pastoral care for deployed service members throughout the world. Our topic today is post-traumatic stress disorder. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. Thanks, Chaplain Steve, for being my guest today. Well, Kay, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Well, it's great to have you here and uh, to have you uh, uh, get acquainted with our listeners and have them get acquainted with you. Great. I feel like I've got a whole new circle of friends. That's great. I wanted to talk about post-traumatic stress disorder, and I believe you have a doctorate in that, don't you? Yes, I um, I have a doctoral degree in post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, my, my doctoral degree is a what they call a doctorate of ministry degree, where I had an opportunity to 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 test prayer. Does written confessional prayer help bring about healing? And those that suffer from the ravages of this anxiety disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder is in the family of diagnostics of, of uh, uh, what they call anxiety disorders. Um, one of the things, though, that, that's important with post-traumatic stress disorder, and let me get this out up front, is if, if you're within listening ear of our radio show and if you are suffering from a single traumatic event or multiple traumatic events, if you have nightmares – if you just see that life is no longer worth living, they call that technically adhedonia. If you are compensating with pornography or alcohol just to try to get on with your day, and we know that none of that stuff really works, I want you to just stop what you're doing and get help. Get help right away. You Certainly, if you're feeling suicidal, if, if you just feel that you just want to end your life because the anxiety is overwhelming you, it's destroying your life and your marriage, get help. There are services out there for you. Uh, if you are a member of a church, if you're attending church, your pastor may not be the expert in PTSD, but I'll tell you, Kay, that, that pastor is going to find someone's going to get you help. So please, if you're hearing me, hear my passion, get help. That's great. Um, I think one of the reasons I wanted to do the program is because I don't really know that much about it, but I have a husband that came home from Vietnam um, back in the 70s. And sure. as I learn about this today, I say, hmm, he had this, but we didn't know what it was. And I think there's a lot of service men and women mm-hmm. uh, in our world today that are experiencing PDSD, but they don't know they have it. Are their family members are saying, you have a problem. And the family members sometimes don't know what to do. So you kind of uh, gave a definition as you explained and as you um, made that call to our listeners that might be having it. But let's define it a little more clearly as we go forward. Can you just give a definition of what it is? Well, as I, I'll start with what I had originally said. The post-traumatic stress disorder is considered the part of the family of anxiety disorder. So it's anxiety. It's the it's your inability to to 
stop overly obsessing and worrying, but it's much worse than that with post-traumatic stress disorder. You really can't work. If you have that diagnosis, if, if you're given the diagnosis, if you're a fireman, a policeman, if you've been sexually assaulted, uh, if you witness a horrific car accident, even if, even if you get word of a traumatic death of a loved one, uh, the way you get PTSD by definition is a single life-threatening event. And so I really kind of careful about defining that event because God wired us a little differently, and it has to do with, they think, the wiring in the brain. So as a result of that, with post-traumatic stress disorder, if you look at it and you say, you know, I think I need some help because I was in a car accident, let's just say, six months ago. Well, six months ago, you know, I, I initially had trouble sleeping. Uh, I even saw images of maybe the victim I saw in the car accident. Uh, I'm now physically healed from it, but I still have nightmares. I I can't sleep at all. I no longer like going out and doing the things I enjoyed before. My marriage is, is starting to fall apart. The relationships that I have aren't going very well. That, again, are all red flags that you need to go seek some help, and you need to have what, what I would call a professional diagnosis. You need to have a pro sit down with you and do it. Please don't go online, do the six points of post-traumatic stress disorder. Don't sit there and bounce it off of a bud. This is a medical condition, and you can get healed and made well. As a matter of fact, they're now calling this thing post-traumatic growth, where if you get treatment and you get it up front, you get it done quickly, fast, and you enter a great program, uh, you will actually, they think, become better for it. Mm-hmm. Crazy thing to tell someone who's going through the anxiety of PTSD, though. Yeah. But it is true nonetheless. Get treatment, get help. Absolutely. So it needs to be diagnosed by a mental health professional then, is that Oh, correct? yes. Thank you. Thank so you. So we for, can't just say, oh, I read this. I think I have it. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it'd be almost absurd as to say that I read an article on bone cancer and now I decided because my, my knee hurts, I got bone cancer. So well, let's all gather around and have a have a chaplain Steve pity party. It doesn't work like that. You, you need to get professional help and they will sit down with you and they will prescribe treatments that will work specifically for you. Okay. So it's a good thing. But if I could take it a step further, one of the things that's important is the church has always known about post-traumatic stress disorder. This is not a foreign illness. Uh, There's a Benedictine monk in Scotland in the 1100s that was uh, experimenting with St. John's wort. Uh, You find passages in Scripture that talk about have no anxiety about anything. That's not a mandate of your failings as a Christian, but it's a desire for an eventual healthy end, to have no anxiety. But we can certainly kick that up a notch when we talk about men and women who've gone to war or people that have witnessed a horrific traumatic event. Uh, There's even a passage, and if you don't mind me going a little deeply into my early Christian church development and the post-Nicene fathers, uh, they even had a prescription for how to handle warriors that would come back from war. Mm. And they said, okay, guys, what we want you to do is we want you to sit with the pre-catechumens, those, for your listening audience, those who have not been confirmed in the Christian faith. And in so doing, you work your way back in and through the faith. What's interesting is I find as a pastor, as a chaplain, is a lot of men and women who have had traumatic events, they will excommunicate themselves before the church can even deal with them. So the church, even in the third and fourth century, had a system of bringing back these Roman soldiers and integrating them back into the faith. Yeah. Aren't they often dealing with uh, things like anger, guilt, uh, not being willing to forgive themselves Mm -hmm. and grief? You know, the lack of forgiveness is a 
big, big piece of this. The, the witnessing of a loss of a friend, uh, of a loved one, uh, feelings that it should have been them instead of their friend that died. Uh, these are things that, that happen when people are traumatized. And one of the things that I do when people come to me with their traumatic event is I don't pressure them to tell me their story. Mm-hmm. But, and please don't do that if you're listening. But if they feel like sharing their story, let them share their story. Uh, because their story uh, is what I think is somewhat incarnational. It is a story where God can enter into it and God can help bring about healing as well. Interesting. So I like that you said don't pressure them to share the story because a lot of veterans, servicemen, mm-hmm. have seen some terrible things and a lot of times people want them to tell all and they don't often yeah. tell all, do they? Well, sometimes the stories of trauma you know, are just so horrific they're almost unbelievable. Uh, I, I may have had post-traumatic stress when I came back from war, but I didn't have PTSD. And one of the I was at a car dealership of all places, and the the salesman said, "Hey, tell me about your experience in the war." I said, "No, nah, yeah. you'll find this. My fellow veterans listening will understand this." He said, "No, nah, I don't feel like it. It's yeah, I don't want to talk about it." Well, the guy kept pressing and pressing, so I said, "Finally, okay." I said, uh, "And I was a hospital chaplain in a war, and we brought in uh, uh, an Iraqi soldier uh, from the Republican Guard who had a missing leg, and his other leg was shattered." And when they put him under x-ray, they couldn't figure out why. All they saw was just muscle, bone, and tissue in the surviving leg. Until they examined further and they found out that it was pieces of a skull. So what had taken this man's leg off and, his, and, and shattered his other leg was a piece of somebody else's head. Well, I'm in a car dealership, you know, and I'm telling this guy this story. And he gives me this look like, I, I didn't really want to hear that. <laughs> and so... There's a little warning sign too, you know. Yeah. I mean, you don't you don't know what's coming because yeah. if you really start sharing those stories, yeah. it could be very upsetting to children, sure. to people. But yeah. and and that's why you don't pressure them. Yeah. And the other thing too is when we tell stories of trauma and we tell stories of sad things in our lives, you know, we we have to put it in in a particular context. So one of the goals that I try to tell folks who've got post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic stress disorder is what we want, what you and I want, is we want PTSD to not be the sum total of who you are, but just a chapter of your life. You know, acknowledge it for what it is, that it was difficult, it was awful, it was horrible, it was terrible, but it's a sum total of who you are. And because of that, you can do something positive with this. You know, it's like in, in Psalm 4, it says, in your anger, don't sin. Mm-hmm. Well, God gives us permission to be angry, but it's what you do with your anger that's important. So what you do with your trauma can also be important as well, and, and how you deal with that and how you make the world a better place. And you can do this while linked to Christ Jesus. Absolutely. Well, how is uh, post-traumatic stress disorder treated? There are categories of treatment, what they call treatment modalities. And so uh, one of the latest ones is EMDR, eye movement reprocessing and desensitization, uh, which is quite prevalent and successful. You have what they call pharmacotherapy, which is drug treatment. You have Invivio, which is where you constantly retell the story in a in a controlled, safe area. Now, I, again, um, 
And then, of course, there's also psychotherapy. But again, let me let me just give kind of a not so much a warning, but a concern I have is that again, this is a medical condition. So you know, Kay would be like you saying, "How do we treat cancer?" And I would give the various lists. That doesn't mean I want folks running out to Ace Hardware, you know, to to find these chemicals or to go to Rite Aid and and you know do that. So, uh, th- but the point I wanted to make is there are validated, measured metrics treatments available that bring about hope and they bring about healing. Mm-hmm. So that's what I want folks to listen to when I give out these general categories of treatment. Yeah. Sure. And they should be treated by a professional, but uh, you're a chaplain. I am a chaplain, um, yeah. And uh, the the church and the gospel message of Jesus Christ has a mm-hmm. lot uh, to to help everyone, but also for those that are going through post-traumatic stress disorder. Sure, the- there's a, uh, a form of uh, treatment where there's a pastor and uh, I did a consult with him. I, I talked and discussed with him his treatments. Very well written, very knowledgeable man. And one of the things that he had done is when he would ask someone in a controlled environment, in a controlled, safe place. That's one of the things with veterans, by the way, is safety, mm-hmm. is making sure they feel safe. And lack of trust is another big piece. So uh, that's always in with and under the situation with the vet. But but what, what this uh, pastor psychologist does is he will ask them to say, describe the traumatic event. And as a vet is describing, you know, driving the Humvee down the road in Iraq, the ID blast goes off, there's mayhem and craziness. He'll say, stop, picture Christ. Where's Christ? What's Christ doing? And it's interesting when I, when I envision that story and I think of my traumatic events, I picture Jesus like standing off to the side of a road in a white, Alb, you know, not blazing white, not not transfiguration, but a white alb, and he's just looking at me. And then you can further process: what is he saying? What is he doing? This can help integrate your faith with your trauma. But again, this is a, a professional uh, who's been doing this for years and well trained in it. What I am interested in doing is making sure that as people go through those different treatments. All the treatments that I have looked at and examined, and you can find these on the Department of Veterans Affairs websites, uh, all of these have room for being a disciplined Christian, for looking at prayer, a life of prayer, a life of Scripture. The fact, and it is a fact, that you are not abandoned because you have a behavioral health problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. Well, you mentioned safety. I think one of the other things is the process of remembrance and mourning. Yeah, thank you for mentioning that because one of the things that that uh, uh, folks are looking at now is is ceremony and rite of passage. So to actually acknowledge the traumatic event in the context of worship, to to gather with folks, to celebrate days. Uh, uh, there's a pastor in the Luther Church of Missouri Synod in Arizona who has these days of remembrance. He'll have the motorcycle rides. These are very important and healthy. Another symptom that folks go through who've got PTSD is isolation. Mm. And so to get someone out to acknowledge the pain they have that on this day, on February 20th, you know, I lost a friend in Afghanistan. I lost a friend in Iraq. I lost a friend in Vietnam. It is okay to acknowledge it. And when you can acknowledge it with a group of fellow veterans or comrades who've been through that same painful experience, it helps one to heal. Good. We're gonna. I'm gonna t- make a few announcements, and then we'll come back and continue talking to Chaplain Steve about post-traumatic stress disorder. Today, Family Shield is giving away the booklet, "The Conflict at Home: Confronting PTSD." To receive your complimentary booklet, call the Response Center, one eight seven seven 
250-8416 or email us your address so we can mail that to you at witness to family at gmail.com. We also want you to be aware of a video produced by Lutheran Hour Ministries entitled Warriors of Faith, Military Men. It includes a wonderful Bible study and goes through many of the issues we're talking about today. You can find that on the Lutheran Hour website at www.lhm.org. If you're a Thrivent Financial member, you can designate your Thrivent Choice dollars to support Family Shield Ministries. Go to the Thrivent website at www.thrivent.com or call them at 1-800-847-4836. Family Shield's mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in his word, and strengthen individuals and their families. We encourage you to sign up to receive our email newsletter. Send us your email address or sign up yourself on our website, www.familyshieldministries.com. You can also send comments, prayer requests, and support to Family Shield at P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. Now I want to go back to our program with Chaplain Steve. Uh, We've been talking about uh, PTSD, but before we go back to that, just tell us a little bit about what you do for the LCMS. This is a new position for you as their assistant director, uh, as the assistant director of ministry to the armed forces for the LCMS. What does that mean? Yeah, that's right. Uh, One of the things that I do is to make sure that our chaplains – are loved and cared for in the military, active duty and reserve, uh, Army, Navy, Coast Guard, Marine Corps, and Civil Air Patrol. You know, uh, they have to sit down and when they hold hands and pray with you and when when they hear these stories of trauma, for them it can be cumulative. And so we are concerned for them and with them. And so one of the ways that we do this too is we organize uh, retreats and gatherings. So not only do we bring them to us again to talk about the joy of ministry and they share and the challenges. But we also bring their, their spouses together too. And so we do uh, marriage and family type stuff for mm-hmm. our chaplains. Now, we want them to be strong. We want them to be strong in God's word and we want them to know that their church loves them. The other thing that, that I do, and I work for Chaplain Craig Mueller, who's just, he's, he's a great boss. Uh, one of the other things that we do is recruitment. We, we need to find good, qualified men, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod pastors, who feel the call in their heart to become become chaplains, to be shepherds in the military. There is a need for that. Um, our qualifications are not easy. It's not easy to be a chaplain in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Four years of college, four years of seminary, two years as a parish pastor at the minimum. And then there's boards and interview processes and so on. Um, the, the other thing we do is we write. We, we like to tell the chaplain story. We want to go to congregations, and we want to tell them about about the wonderful ministry that you as a church share with the men and women in the armed forces. You know, it's hard to believe that uh, less than a year ago I was in Kuwait and traveling to Afghanistan and Jordan. And it was a wonderful opportunity to proclaim the gospel in those places to our military service personnel. So we want someone else to pick up that mantle and, yeah. and take that and visit our men and women wherever they are and to take good care of their families. So that's what I do. That's our mission. That's great. Now, how many chaplains does the LCMS have out? we got uh, approximately 65 active duty 
uh, military chaplains and about 70 uh, chaplains in the United States Army Reserve, Air Force Reserve, and United States Naval Reserve. Okay. So, yeah, about 65, 70 is our numbers. We'd like to increase those. Uh, we think we can. Uh, we just have to get the word out. Yeah, well, hopefully some people will hear it on our program. So thank you for sharing Great. that. Well, right before the break, we were talking again just about how we treat uh PDSD. And uh, uh, you talked about the isolation process. I think um, uh, you talked about safety, remembrance, and mourning. Mm-hmm. And, and I think reconnection, what does is, what is that involve? Well, you, you, when, you, when you're deployed, uh, you belong to a close-knit family of your own compadres, your own uh, – in the Army, we call them battle buddies. In the Navy, they call them shipmates. Uh, you belong to them and you work and you serve with them. When that is over, you need to go home and you've got to reconnect and reacquaint with your family. That can be very difficult. It it can be a real challenge to make that transition from a combat zone back to the home front. And and the reasons, you know, there's a multiplicity of reasons. Uh, some things you're just used to doing things differently. Uh, you know, you're used to sleeping with your weapon. Uh, mm. I don't – chaplains don't carry weapons, so I'm not talking about me here. I better not be sleeping with a weapon. <laughs> But, but soldiers do sleep with their weapon. They actually do. Um, they have a particular style of uniform that they wear. Uh, a lot of the stuff that happens in the United States in terms of, 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 of problems just aren't there in a deployed world. You don't have to worry about getting in a vehicle and dodging traffic. You don't have to worry about shopping in a grocery store. All that stuff goes by the wayside when you're in a combat zone. You are, you are fed. You're transported. You have medical care. You have all that kind of stuff. When you come back – it's a different world. And the other challenge is, is that you may have been the hair papa of your family and that may have changed where where your wife did a very good job caring for that family and you have to reintegrate yourself back into that family. That can be a challenge. Mm-hmm. That can be difficult. So we always tell these men and women that deploy, go slow as you reintegrate. Ask a lot of questions. You know, observe a lot. It's really important that you do that because, you know, just those those coming in like a bull in a china shop is just not going to help your marriage and your family. Yeah. I, I remember with talk, telling us, yeah, I was talking, doing some interviews as part of my doctoral work, and I wanted to interview the spouses of veterans who had post-traumatic stress disorder. And, and I was privileged to work closely with a psychiatrist, and he sent me the list of folks that agreed to have Chaplain Hokan and Chaplain Steve mm-hmm. do the interviews. And uh, I ran into a one woman who's a Vietnam vet. Her husband was a Vietnam vet. And we spent a good deal of time talking about his experience, you know, in Vietnam and the challenges he had and how he deals with this trauma and so on. And, and, and he, he's doing okay. Well, I, I had a chance to do the interview with the wife. And for some reason, it wasn't communicated to her that I was going to talk to her about PTSD. And so I, I went in and she says, hello, chaplain. How are you? I said, fine. And then she said, why are you here? I says, well, I want to talk to you about your husband's experiences of war. She gave me a look like she burped up a two-week-old hot dog. She said, oh, he's still talking about that. One of the lessons I learned quickly is is that PTSD is like a bad relative that gets out of jail and moves into your house and eats all your food and spends all your electricity and groceries and doesn't go home. That's what it is. It moves in and it takes on a life of its own. And so one of the other areas of treatment, you know, we've talked about treatments and backed away, is what they call family systems therapy, mm-hmm. where a veteran and his wife, his spouse, will sit down. They will talk to a systems therapist, and they'll find a way to come to a healthy, happy resolution. 
So that's another form of treatment modality as well. Yeah. And I did want to just ask you a little bit uh, if you could speak to the families, especially those that maybe have spouses that Mm -hmm. need help but aren't getting help. What would you tell them? Yeah, well, that that is uh, actually a fascinating area of research. Um, And you're seeing more and more uh, books, booklets, literature written about the suffering spouse. Yeah, there there is a form of post-traumatic stress disorder called secondary PTSD that that you can have, you can get if you are dealing with trauma every day, not even directly exposed to it, but just constantly hearing it again and again and again. Uh, our, our, our spouses who are married to men and women with PTSD, they do love their spouses dearly and desperately. And the feelings of helplessness are so strong that they just can't help them. They don't know how to help them. They don't know what to do. It's very frustrating. To live with someone with a behavioral health condition like depression is very, very hard. Mm-hmm. PTSD is, is like that as well in that you know, they do need help. They need help outside of what you can provide. So what I say to the spouses and to the family members who, who are old enough to understand is that when mom and dad come home or when they witness a horrific event and they're starting to see flashbacks and they're, they're not able to think clearly, the anxiety disorder is overwhelming their lives – to really encourage them lovingly to get help. The other possibility too, you know, and this is something you have to explore carefully with a behavioral health provider or medical doctor is what they call intervention. And many of your listeners may have heard of this in the context of substance abuse and alcoholism. Mm -hmm. But I think that with, with PTSD, one of the ways that I deal with it, and I'm, I am just blessed that I don't have a family member, but but even if I were to set up a counseling appointment with someone with PTSD, and if they don't show up, I don't I pardon my colloquial, I don't bust on them. I don't call them up, I don't go find them, I don't chew them out because PTSD is so overwhelming. What I what I do instead is at the at the end of every visit, I always ask if I can give them a call. Mm. And what I found out is the the conversations are not very long. But they're so appreciative because you're demonstrating that you care. Remember, lack of trust is a big piece with men and women with PTSD. Uh, So they need to know that they can trust you. Sometimes someone with PTSD will say, oh, you know, vulgar stuff. They'll try to insult you. What they're trying to do is they're asking themselves a question. If, If this person loves me when I say stupid things, will he love me if I open up my heart and share my innermost pain? Yeah. Well, I want to mention again that my guest has been Chaplain Stephen Hokana, and he is the um, uh, Assistant Director of Ministry to the Armed Forces for the LCMS. We've been, again, talking about post-traumatic stress disorder. There's so much more I would have loved to have had time to share, but I I hope that some of the things he shared uh, have helped you learn about it if you Uh, have it or think you have it uh, as take his advice and get help. If you're a family member, encourage loved ones to get the uh, help that they need and uh, continue to learn more about that. Uh, And and I just can't close the program without saying we've talked about Christ. We've talked about his importance, but we just know that the Lord loves you. He is walking with you through this problem And uh, just uh, place your faith in Christ. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Again, this is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. And uh, learn more at www.familyshieldministries.com. Thanks for listening. 
You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield.